Welcome back to the Swingman Podcast. It's podcast number 95. As ever, I'm your host, George St. Ledger. Joined as I am by Louis Halpin and Lewis Howard, as always. Um, it's Christmas in the NBA. We're, we're, we're right coming up to that Christmas Day games. Well, quite a lot have been postponed and cancelled, obviously, for obvious reasons of, of of the C word going about and the O variant and all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're here to sort of hash up everything that's gone in the NBA, as always. And, um, and, and chew the fat, as I believe is the saying for, for it. Am, am I right in saying that? I'm, Oh, well, I just completely messed that up. Oh, no, that's the, you got chew it. The got fat, it. Chew the fat is the same for it. Um, I think we're just going to basically touch on the majority of stuff that's been hitting headlines in the NBA the most recent weeks. Um, and I don't know where you want to start. Uh, so I'll give the floor to Louis. Take it away. Um, maybe <laughs> we can start off with uh, Kyrie Irving returning for purely games not within the New York City vicinity. Well, was returning. Um now he's in the health and safety protocols like so many other NBA players at this moment in time. But um, I'll be interested to see the dynamic he brings back to the team. Obviously, I think they kind of ushered in this a little bit more quickly due to the fact that James Harden's out. Now Kevin Durant is out as well. And they've had a couple. They've had their games postponed now. But I think it was probably in, in the work, uh, in the offing for quite a while. Um, the, the Nets for all intents and purposes, are playing really well, even with just KD. And maybe we'll have a little discussion later on in the MVP race because he's kind of made himself the front runner in that with how well he's doing with a slightly more undermanned team, shall we say. Um, But it'll be interesting to see how they integrate Kyrie back in because I think it was probably the overall right decision because they were probably banking on those sort of restrictions that are stopping him playing games right now being lifted by the time the playoffs come around. And I'm not sure if it would have been a seamless transition if they just brought Kyrie back in for those games, you know, when the playoffs come around and expect him to integrate himself in in playoff time. I don't think that will work. So I think sort of phasing him a, a little bit is probably a better decision for them. But who knows how distracting it can be to have this guy in for some games and then out for others. I'm not sure what you two think about that. And yeah, I think the biggest issue with Kyrie in terms of integrating him back into the team, and it's something we've seen at previous teams like the Celtics and the Cavs, is it's not a matter generally of the on-court fit. It's how other people in the locker room feel about you know, certain things he's done, you know, whether whether you agree with them or not. If if there is that friction in the dressing room, then that does spill over on the court eventually uh, and changes the team performance. But personally, I think, as you say, this isn't something they've taken lightly. Obviously, they've probably rushed it because of the injuries, as you say. But I, I think that it will be a decently seamless transition i think Kyrie and 
hard and worked it out pretty early on when they were playing together on the nets. And I think we we all generally thought we was working pretty well. And obviously, you can fit basically anyone with KD. The, the way KD plays, it's not that's not going to be a problem. So if they've got the other things sorted out, the actual way the basketball team's going to function shouldn't be an issue, in my opinion. No, I mean, for uh, it's a tough one. I, I do appreciate what you're saying and things like that, but I, I can't see how this will be anything but a positive impact for, for the Nets. Yeah, exactly. Um, especially on the road games, they, they can still then, they're, they're going to always have, it'll, it'll be like going back to normal, I feel. I don't think it will be like a, a different change in pace. Kyrie Irving isn't necessarily a, a player that's going to come in and you have to rip up your playbook and completely change your style. I think you can sort of slot him into any sort of play style and he's going to facilitate the team no matter what. Um, chopping and changing, yeah, it could be a bit of a tricky one, but um, like you said, Louis, coming down towards the playoff stretch and they're going to want him for, for those games anyway. So um, I think it just means that he's going to get lots of rest because as we know, Kyrie has been a little bit fragile most couple of seasons now. Um, so if anything, it probably plays into their hands that he will play a few road trips and then have a couple of, a couple of games off and come back. So um and anyway, I, I, regardless of what you think about his position of everything around this, I think everyone can agree it's better to see him in the league than not. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, he's one of the most entertaining players in the league in terms of to watch. So, I'm glad that he's back. So, we'll have to wait and see with that one. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, we might as well talk about Kevin Durant. If, oh, unless you wanted to, was you going to say something, Louis? I was just going to say, I'd like to know how many games KD, Kyrie and James Harden have actually all played it together. It can't be many. It's got to be it's like not, less than 25. Many. It's got to be less than 25, I feel. I feel like less, I was going to say less than 20. They had, <laughs> yeah, like I mean, a little, they had a little stretch of like at the end of the season, just before the playoffs, I think, when they were all fit. And then yeah. Kyrie went down and then Harden, like Harden, Harden went down, then Kyrie came back and then Harden went down, didn't he? I think that's what happened, right, or not? I mean, when Harden first got traded to Brooklyn, he was on sort of MVP form. Like, he was absolutely incredible. And then I think he went down in the middle of that season or maybe middle to, to later end of that season. I, I don't even know. I can't even keep up with the timelines. Obviously, yeah. um, KD's been available for this entire this season, which is incredible thinking about the severe injury that he had a couple of years ago. And how people were like, there's not really a, a roadmap for anyone to come back from that type mm. of injury. And he's just he, like, he's playing the best basketball of his career. So fair enough to that. But Holland's been a little bit more injury prone than he had been previously. And then Kyrie's just kind of unreliable. And this year is just a completely mad situation. So, yeah, yeah it, it, it's, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I obviously do think all three of them can play together. And, and when they have played together, all three, they've been quite decent. But it's just, yeah, it's, it's mad to, to me that they've traded for all these guys or signed them in free agency and they've only played, like, what, under 25 or so games, we think, anyway, together. I'm pretty confident that's right. I think the yeah. last thing I remember is they'd played, there was an article in May last year, I want to say, where they'd played eight games together or something along those lines. So it's not much more than that at all. Um. But yeah, so I mean, if, if we're staying on the nets and let's transition in terms of uh, Kevin Durant and his sort of form of MVP runner. And I mean, for the large part of this season, everyone's been saying about how Steph Curry's the, the front runner for MVP. But slowly but surely, Kevin Durant's performances for the Brooklyn Nets have put him more towards 
a front-running case of saying, that, well, I mean, Steph's been doing his thing for the Warriors, but do not forget about me over here in Brooklyn carrying this team. Do you think genuinely right now that Kevin Durant is the favourite for MVP? I don't think he's the favourite. I, I would personally pick him. But I think the narrative that goes along with oh. Steph... I was going to say, there seems to be like this narrative thing with Steph that he's well, just more favorited in the media, I think, as well. he's I think he's more well-liked by fans overall, by the media overall. He also did just break an absolutely historic record, which will definitely help him out. He's in the Western Conference, which is perceived and just is the more, the, the, well, the tougher conference of the two. And they're, current, they're currently second in that, but they've been fighting for that top spot constantly. If you look at just the the stats themselves, KDs are I would give the edge to KD. And personally, I think when you watch the games and you you look and you think who's playing at the highest level of the two, I would also side with KD on that as well. And then you add in the fact that with all the tumultuous time that the, the Nets have had, he's really carried that team to where they are now, which is the number one seed in their conference, albeit is the East. Louis, what's your thoughts? I think the, the story uh, aspect of it is quite important because I do feel like, um, not to generalise here, but I do feel like Americans buy into that a little bit more than we do over here if we give sort of similar awards. Um, but KD is a really good story. Um, like I said, coming back from that, quite horrific injury it's not quite the same as Steph obviously and I, I do agree generally he's probably liked in more circles Steph I should say than KD um, so I think that that does play into Steph's favour a little bit but it'll just yeah it'll depend as the season develops because you know KD's obviously out in the health and safety protocol right now and it depends if he can keep shouldering that, that heavy load that he has done I don't think it's probably best for him to do that I mean, before he's, you know, spent time out with, with uh, self-isolation, I think he'd only missed two games. He was fourth in minutes played per game. I just don't think that's really sustainable for a guy, even though he has recovered so impressively from that Achilles injury. I, do, I don't think that's really in his favour or the Brooklyn Nets' favour. He should be keeping fresh for the playoffs, though. Uh, they said the same thing about LeBron James before the season started, and I don't think that's really happened either. Um so that that will play into things as well. I, yeah, I, I lean towards if I had to personally pick it without any sort of emotion. I think KD is playing the better basketball right now, and I think he's been the more valuable player. But you know, it, it's pretty neck and neck between <clears> them two. And I think Jokic also deserves a mention because he might be yeah. playing better than he did last season, and he won the MVP last season. So. Yeah, there's a I think there's a couple of people you can mention uh, after them too who are on teams that aren't performing as well at the moment. But if you look at them from an individual standpoint, they're definitely alongside KD and Steph, if not, you know, a little bit below them. And you mentioned Jokic. As you say, his stats this year to last year are very similar, apart from the fact that he's, I think he's averaging over two and a half rebounds more than he did last year while still having similar points, a better field goal percentage, slight less assists. But the big one is, Jokic's current PR so far this year is at a 34.22, which is obviously 
un- unsustainable. But you know, we've played a decent amount of games and it's currently at that. And if you look at just to put it into context, the the PERs or the highest PERs in NBA history for a, for a season, it's Yanis with just under thirty two. So that's the an indication of the level Jokic performing at, at the moment. Obviously, you have to take into account that part of that is due to the fact that he is the single star now and best player by a mile in that Nuggets team. So literally everything is going through him. Yeah. Because without that, they are just going to fall apart. And the fact that in the playoff spots right now and in seventh, I'm in that mix from like five to ninth, I think it is around that. Everyone's in a few games of each other. Mm-hmm. Is testament to how well Jokic is playing. And then I think you got to look at Yanis as well because he is also putting up monster numbers. The Bucks are really getting into their stride now. They they had a bit of a for them at least a rocky start to the season, but he uh, they're yes. starting to turn around now. And you've got to remember the fact that basketball is offense and defense. And when you factor in Yanis's defense, then that obviously elevates him a lot in that conversation. Yeah, so, since the since the sort of quote unquote big three is returned for the Bucks, they've been tremendous in terms of picking up games and, and wins from it. Um, I think I mean I agree with everything there. I I, I think the the one player that's been left out and he, he, I mean he's never really going to be in the running for this unfortunately just because of the numbers. But I still think Chris Paul is from what he's doing with the Suns right now of twenty three and five. They go under the radar still for some reason. It's like this regular season team that somehow can do it in the playoffs a little bit as well. But Chris Paul for me is like a dark horse shout for it, but he's never realistically going to be in the running because he just doesn't get the numbers for it, unfortunately. Yeah, there's no, there's no way you're going to... Before, before yeah. he got injured, I thought Devin Booker was playing really well. Yeah, he might yeah. Be the best player on that team. But uh, yeah, I he's, think he's, he's the, I think Chris yeah, Dev, Devin Booker's like the score of that. I, I wouldn't put. I think if Chris Paul's on the floor for the Suns, I can't ever say anyone else. But Chris Paul's the best player on that side. But, yeah, that's fair. Um, I think Jokic is going to be unfortunately a case of that. No matter what he does this year, he's going to get the sort of Steph Curry treatment from a year or so ago, where he can put up all the numbers he wants. But yeah. you're not going to you're not going to win yeah. MVP in a team. Team's not good enough. So yeah. it's it's what it is. So. Um, I think yeah, the, the the sort of the locks right now, like we've said, are, are between Katie and Steph, and then you've got Yanis now that's starting to really kick on with the Bucks. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, look, MVP talk at this time, I, I quite enjoy. It. Everyone likes to talk about MVP, but there's still so much left of the season that's yeah. left to play. It's almost it's almost redundant. Um, before we do move on, um, well, actually no, we can we can bundle the conversation in, in, in both of them. Shock of all shocks, I'd like to talk about the Lakers um, mm-hmm. and. You know, it's not panic stations, but, you know, a, Anthony Davis has gone down with a sprained MCL, I believe it was, um, yeah. which is like four weeks for most people, but probably eight weeks for Anthony Davis. Um, are we sort of with LeBron's... Uh, LeBron hasn't been out of shape and out of form, but there's obviously then been questions of now, like he is at a certain age now. How much longer is he going to keep doing it for? No one's ever going to be stupid enough, I, I think, to sort of start betting against LeBron, especially in a playoff game. But, you know, with everything that's going on with them, the fit of Westbrook, it was quite nice seeing Isaiah Thomas come back and everything like that. But <laughs> how, how much of a doubt now on sort of what's the ceiling for the Lakers this season? The ceiling is always with LeBron you can get to the NBA finals like that. That is always a potential season, but I, I, I didn't like this team before the season started. And 
I don't think I've really seen anything that's proved me wrong so far. I just think they look disjointed. I think they've lost all forms of... Um, I think what made the, that Lakers team that won the championship a couple of years ago so great was their perimeter defence. and Maybe their defence just in general. But perimeter-wise, mm-hmm. I think... You know, I'm looking at guys like KCP, Caruso. Not fantastic players by any stretch of imagination, but they really look down on defence. And I think that's what won them that that game against Miami where it looked like they might mount a comeback at the very least. Um, they just lost all that completely and they've replaced them with guys who just can't do that. I mean, Carmelo can't defend. Russ has never really been able to defend. And, you know, you, you look at Caruso kind of balling out in Chicago. Well, when I can actually play games again, at least. But, you know, bringing all of that stuff to Chicago and you realise that's entirely what the Lakers missed, their defence. And, on the topic of Davis, even though he's injured right now, I don't want to kick a man when he's literally down. Um, but he's put in a lot of weak performances this season. I mean, I, I'm not sure if you saw this as well. It's just a clip. I think it was Evan Mobley, actually, of just him like backing into Davis, like not afraid whatsoever. And I don't think Davis is really striking people with the type of authority that he has done previously, even though he's bulked up and he has done, he's like, yeah, people aren't really scared to go at Andy um, Davis that much. I think, yeah. and I think I, it was Cat. Was the yeah, player. this is yeah, what I was, was going to say. Was, <laughs> was sure it Cat? Well, yeah. there, 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 there's one that I I don't know. There might I'm be sure a Mobley one. One. There might be a Mobley one as well. But the one that I saw was Carl Anthony Towns sort of backing him mm. down and then just <laughs> falling. And then giving him a he's too small and sort of no no yeah that, that, he, that he gave a little he's too small and it's sort of I mean look it was in his moment and in his jam but if you're Anthony Davis you can't be letting Carl Anthony Towns do that to you like that's it doesn't matter if it's a regular it doesn't matter if it's a preseason game you can't let that happen so um, no it it does feel a bit strange and I will totally agree in terms of Anthony Davis performances this season have been somewhat surprising I'd say um, but the Lakers in general. I mean, the under bet on the Lakers this year, I thought was unbelievable value. And it's so far, it, 30 games in, it's been absolutely proven to be the case because I don't think getting anywhere near 55 wins this year. Yeah, I'll be oh, honest. No. Uh, for this season, at the least, I'm definitely out on the Lakers. And it's it's interesting because the narrative at the start of the season was, oh, you know, Westbrook, well, it was one of two, is even thinking, oh, they've signed another star multiple time also you know fantastic top 75 player of all time in Westbrook to go and with AD and LeBron they're going to be able to figure it out and then it turned to oh Westbrook's playing terribly they can't do anything with him but as of late when you look at them Westbrook's you know they're still having issues fitting them all together but Westbrook's not playing bad at the moment I wouldn't say and narrative has more gone towards looking at AD and I think a lot of people have criticised Anthony Davis. I know Charles Barkley was one that did because of how highly he valued him. And I think a lot of what he said was completely valid. And and the thing that worries me with Anthony Davis is, you know, you look at the stats he's put up this season, it's like 23, 24 and 10. And it's a pretty decent field goal percentage better than he's had for the last few years. And so you look at that and you think, oh, yeah, it's not that bad. I don't know what. You know, people might be overreacting, but when you watch him play, the scary, the scary thing is, 
it looks like all the injuries that he's had are translating not only to how he plays because they're affecting him physically, they're, it looks like they are now affecting him mentally as well. And you talk about defence, he just looks like he's not putting in the effort or doesn't want to get banged up when the when people like Cat are going at him. And it just looks like the effort isn't there because I, I don't know how you how highly you lot rate Anthony Davis, but he should be in the top five MVP, MVP conversations every year, really. He, he is that kind of talent, but it's, it's just not showing. And, uh, you know, he's putting up some decent stats still, but when you watch him play, he looks like, especially defensively, a shadow of what he used to be. So, and I hope I mean, that he gets over not only the, because the physical injuries, obviously he can't help, but I think he needs to try and get over the mental aspect of it as well to get back to playing like he can play. Are you say, well, sorry, it's just so I understand your point here. You're, you're saying that you think he's effect, changing his game because he's worried about getting injured or not being himself well, because ch- of that. Change, changing his game is going a bit too far, I think, with it. But he's, it looks like he's playing scared or worried of getting injured, is, is what I'm saying. That's okay. aggressive. Yeah, he's not playing as hard as he should be. But you're not like then. then I, I totally see that, and maybe it's and, a case, and and maybe it's a case of just sort of he's holding back, trying not to be injured before. Like there's the, in his in yeah. his head these are unnecessary games at the moment. But yeah, and he might and he might not. He might be worried about lasting the full season. Yeah, I agree, and it's obviously easy for me to criticise someone who's playing the NBA every game when I'm doing. <laughs> I am obviously not doing that, but it's just because I rate him as high as I do. I want to see him perform at that level, and it's just not happening at the moment. That's a fair point. Um, I think I, I was just going to say I think he's definitely a bit, a little bit less aggressive this season. But I, I've never seen him as a very aggressive player. I think you know mm. you said about Charles Barkley criticizing him at the moment. He's criticized him for years for not, you know, yeah. having that. I think they call it like a killer mentality or whatever. It's just, you know, it's it's hard sort of stuff to measure, so I don't want to go too much into it. But yeah, you do and, see that a little bit with him sometimes. And, like. and I'm, I'm just talking. It, it all comes down to an eye test, obviously. But I think yeah, it, it's looking at it this season. I think it's even more than just not having that killer mentality. I think it's it's something else at the moment that he really needs to get over. And I really hope he does because I, I, I rate Anthony Davis so highly. Totally. 100%. Um, I mean, that's that's sort of what I wanted to, to talk about with, with, with the Lakers. I mean, I can open the floor up to you two. Is there anything, any burning topics that are on your mind? Um, maybe we should talk a little bit about Zion. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's the uh, easy yeah, transition yeah, to make yeah, from this. Yeah, so, I mean, so Zion's out for, I think it was four to six weeks now with, I'm not quite sure what, it's not a broken foot, he's just got no, some it's just a contusion yeah. in, in the foot. And I saw he's had an injection to promote bone healing or bone regeneration or somewhat of the other in terms of it but um it's now been quite a lot of stop starts for zion in general since he's joined the league um there was a little bit of criticism that went about with went zion's way sort of in the off season of of how well he takes care of himself and if he's really dedicated towards the league and and whatnot which i think can be seen in two ways one it can be seen as quite unfair you don't know the whole ins and outs of the story of it but then, too, you sort of see how 
the talent and and the thing that I always keep seeing with it, and I've, I've seen it recently, is sort of highlight clips of Zion at Duke, and and you see how unbelievable the guy was, right? And I, I I I can remember this like as it was yesterday in terms of when you was watching those March Madness games and you were seeing some of the stuff he was doing, albeit in college basketball, but that's where you see all of these players. And you're like, oh my god, this guy's going to be unbelievable. He's like a freak of nature that's going to take over the league. There were there was every form of LeBron comparison that was going about in terms of the next big thing. Everyone remembers the draft day and all this and whatnot. So it is a shame in that aspect to see that, and especially opening night again. Sorry, I remember opening night, his debut and everything like that when he hit like those four threes in in a quarter, whatever it was. Mm. There was so much excitement around him to then see it be very stop started by unfortunate injuries that he can't do anything about but then also in a case of that you can see he's not sort of looked after himself in the way that a lebron has or a yanis has and that's what's the it's just just upsetting in that respect to seeing a talent like that but i don't know what your thoughts are on it i mean i think i've seen those clips too and i, I do understand what you mean by that in terms of it was the explosiveness really and you know it, the one i always always remember is when he blocked that three-point shot and i was just like that that guy is like genuinely from another world but I, I think it goes a bit far in in some respects like oh look at the player he once was because like he did average like 27 and yeah exactly. last year he's probably one of the like 15 best players in the nba he was like and I think there was like a month or so stretch around January, February, where he was just like killing teams at every single opportunity. So I don't think it's a, it's not like a disappointment in that aspect. And I don't think that's what you were saying anyway. But I think he, his talent is just like otherworldly. And if he can ever put it on, you know, get it together for a whole season or whatever. I, I, and I think the Pelicans haven't built around him very well as well this is kind of an aside point really from the injury injury discussion but i think that's kind of direct that's made it seem a little bit more underwhelming than it should be as well but yeah it, it's difficult because you don't want to because a big part of his game is how athletic and how explosive he is and mm -hmm. you just don't know how he is going to look when he comes back from this i assume he's just going to be as powerful as he was before yeah the bounce may not be quite there and he was already slowing down i think a little bit i mean he's never really tried in the nba on defense so it's not really a, a point of point of discussion there to be honest you know i i just let's just be patient with this guy i mean two sort of mad stats about him so in the first sort of three seasons of his career um he's played the same amount of times as a uh, greg odin you know, Greg Oden famously mm. taken before Kevin Durant, who uh, literally had his career completely finished by a bad scenario that we're looking at here. And one I hope isn't going to come to fruition, and I don't think will do either, but who really knows? And But the other side of the coin is he's played more games than Joel Embiid did for his first three seasons. And, you know, Joel Embiid still has issues with injuries, but he can still manage to get through a season and manage to impact the game in a way that, makes the Sixers, you know, a sort of perennial almost contender or maybe a contender if they have a good enough team. So, yeah. you know, the, the, there's two ways this can go and I don't want to be too down on it and I just hope he gets better. And um, I don't think the sort of comments about his, his weight or whatever really, I don't think they're ne that needed really. Um, 
No, the I, I do agree. She probably take like, care of like, herself a little more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the majority of it's just Twitter but, memes that go about. But yeah, I mean, as you say, I mean, if, if... you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, you know, just look at the last conversation. I know I criticised AD a lot. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I don't know the whole story and a lot of that. You know, if it comes to light in the future, mm. it, it might explain some things, and maybe it will with Zion. But I think the main problem with Zion at the moment is you say you talk about obviously the weight and, and people saying you know maybe he needs to lose some weight but I think it's more than that it's just even when he's trimmed down and he's lean he's still such a big guy for his size that you do worry about these injuries that he's got occurring and he's so young that when you see he's coming back and he gets another setback, another setback, you're more concerned than with other players who've been in the league for a long time because you shouldn't be picking up as many injuries injuries at the age he is compared to when someone's well into their career because generally those things stay with you a lot of the time. And that's the main concern for me because you talk about Will, will what he did in college translate to the NBA? Well, you saw it translate to the NBA. He played 60 games last year and he, he was averaging 27 points on 60% efficiency, which is, or well, 60% field goal percentage, which is absolutely ridiculous for someone his height. You know, that is absolutely insane and that is a sign of what he can do. I just, the main thing I worry about is if he can stay healthy with the injuries he keeps picking up. But this is what I mean then. It's the, yeah. it's the case of the, the best ability is availability and he's not going to be able to ever really... Yeah. He's, mm. uh, at the current rate, he, I mean, look, it can go two ways. He's 21. like That's what still is the, the thing for yeah. me. Is he's not like 25, he's 21. So he's still got a couple of years in him where you can, you know, good summer, really train hard, keep out of the injuries and then come at it. And then everyone forgets about the sort of oh, you've had another setback, another setback, another setback. And people just remember Zion for being Zion. But it is now, you, you sort of, you don't want to be looking at it and then having this discussion about how he's had another seat, another season of setbacks when he's 23, 24. That's what you don't want to see from, from a talent for Zion Williamson. Um, I would agree that the Pelicans, I think, have completely mismanaged Zion's... Uh, not They've not mismanaged him in terms of his recovery and his injuries, and potentially they have, but I think in terms of the, the, the asset that they were given and how lucky they were to receive him as an on-one pick in the lottery, they have not done a very good job in terms of building around him. No, not at all. I mean... They put him with two centers that can't shoot, which is, you know, rule one. Get a rim protecting big that can shoot the free at least so you can space the floor for him. I mean, that, that's just among other things. I mean, I don't think they should have let go of Alonso particularly. Um, I'm not particularly sure either if Brandon Ingram, but I can see why he'd want to keep the two great players. But at the end of the day, they should offer him the max contract when they can next season. Oh, yeah. Well, it's cause because what the Pelicans that's his talent. Like, yeah. 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 And he should sign it. <laughs> he should. Life, he should sign that. Um, so, yeah, it's mutually beneficial. Yeah, we'll, we'll see where the New Orleans yeah. aren't going to be yeah. attracting a talent like Zion just in the free agent market or trading for a player and Zion. Yeah, you, you, you know, his injury don't... issues are starting to rack up. So yeah, yes. you, you don't want a that's all folk situation again with AD. So um, that that's sort of what I can say for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. How is it? 
Is there anything you sort of had pressing on your mind in the, the NBA and the run-up to Christmas that you wanted to um, chat about? I'll be honest, the main thing I wanted to speak about, or the main things that I wanted to speak about, we already have. So, I've got one. I, uh, oh, go on, go on, go through them. I have one. Um, in terms of, I mean, it, it was something I wanted to touch on when we was we was discussing sort of the, the MVP race, and then we were speaking about Steph Curry. Um, and, you know, sort of how Kevin Durant's slowly sort of potentially gone ahead of him, but, you know, neck and neck terms. Um, for the Warriors this season, how big of an impact and sort of how much should we be expecting of them? Especially because now in January, Clay Thompson has sort of had his his date set. There's like three or four games they're targeting. Early January, the fifth is the, the sort of the first one, but you should probably expect mid-January for, for his return. I think there's a game against the Detroit Pistons who I think they're on like a losing streak of 14 right now. So by the time they play mm-hmm. them, they'll probably have lost about 20 games in a row. Although that said, the, the the amount of times I mention teams on losing streaks, they then sort of pick it up like the Rockets did. So by the time they play the Pistons, they could be unreal. But um, how how much of an impact should we be expecting Clay Thompson to have on the Warriors? And then is that then pushing the Warriors right into contention with NBA Finals, or are we? I mean, I think to expect? I think the Warriors are in contention now. That's what Even I mean. If when you, was not there. That's what I mean. They're in contention now, but then when you throw Clay Thompson into the mix, like. With with Clay, it is finals an absolute minimum. Despite and even the fact without that he's been out for two years, even without well, that the reason why is even without Clay. You know, if you want to be conservative, Western Conference Finals at an absolute minimum. But in my opinion, it's still finals at a minimum. I think I think they are the best team in the West, and I know the Suns have got a similar record to them. But I think they should be beating the Suns if they meet in the playoffs. And I'm not trying to disrespect the Suns. It's just how well the Warriors are playing on both ends of the I floor. Am, and if you I add, am, yeah. if if you add their second best player back, then you know surely that puts them over the edge of everyone in the West. If they are already, in my opinion, the best team in the West. Yeah, I am so excited for for head for headband Clay to come back. Like the looks <laughs> that he's been when he's mm. been warming up, he's always been wearing a headband. He's got the afro back. I am so excited. Like that sort of backcourt, just it's what the NBA like. It's it's been so long now since we've seen Clay Thompson and the Warriors play. That's why I'm just hasty because it was so close to him returning, and we were going to see the whole. Because at the end of the day, I mean, like I want the Sixers to do well. I'm not like heartbound upon the Sixers winning and everything like that. I enjoy watching all the teams in the league, but that's why I want to see all the players back and all the best players in particular. And we've been without Clay Thompson now for two years, and that's that sort of backcourt. And it has been a miss for the NBA in general. Um, so yeah, I mean, I just can't wait for that. I don't know what the I don't know what the Christmas Day games were were, were set as. I think it was a was it a Lakers Clippers? They give it as a Lakers sure. Warriors. Um, but stuff like that, like that's just sort of the the box office stuff that you want to see. Yeah, so. and and the matchup itself, if the Suns and the Warriors do eventually match up, which they should, because I. I will also say I'm not trying to disrespect the Suns when I say I think the Warriors are the best team. I think the Suns are definitely the second best team as well, and I, I'd like to see them match up in the conference finals because you know you have the star backcourt of the Splash Brothers against the star backcourt that Phoenix have with Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Hopefully, everyone's healthy when it happens. Well. You asked about the Christmas Day game, George. Uh, Suns Warriors is one of them. Ten o'clock. Oh, okay, cool. In, in British time, anyway. Got the Bucks Celtics. 
Yeah, see, that's the Knicks and the and the Hawks. <laughs> uh, but there's no, tra- there's no, yeah. See, the Knicks and the Hawks have been so good, but there's no Trey Young, so there's no sort yeah. of there, there's that rivalry there. That Trey Young is not no there needle. for the spice of it. So yeah. No, yeah, but yeah, the right, the of... rivalry, the funny thing is, the rivalry isn't between the Knicks and the Hawks. The rivalry is between <laughs> Trey Young and Trae Knicks fans. Young. So that's Knicks the real fans. rivalry. And, yeah, and and the the TikTok, I can't remember the account or whatever it is that does it's all side the talks to side YouTube talks, account, that's it, yes, yeah. and everything that comes out of that after those games are always brilliant and we're not going to get that i mean the next the christmas day games are always sort of like a thing that i look forward to especially sort of towards the evening you know you're absolutely slummed out from a big christmas <laughs> dinner and you can just stick on the nba and it just it's just great in terms of it's, it's great viewing from it normally there's a christmas film before it and then you can sort of be like now nah, the nba on now um it's already been the Bucks actually of, of Christmas Day games. So from the last few ones I remember, I've rhymed watching Bucks, Bucks, Bucks Celtics. Celtics. Yeah, oh, Bucks Celtics. It might oh, have been a Bucks Celtics. Celtics that I watched a couple of years back. But... So the Celtics are losing that one. Yeah, the Celtics are losing that one. But I mean, yeah, uh, I just this is the sort of time of the year now where for me, I mean, the NBA at the start when it picks back up, and I'm really excited for the start of the seasons of, of every NBA season because. Trades have happened. Players are at new te- at new franchises, and everything's moving about. And the and NBA's returning after the hiatus break. But when it gets to Christmas, that's where I feel that I start to get really, really like hyped for the NBA because mm-hmm. there's there's Christmas Day games. Then you've got the trade deadlines before February. Then you have All Star Weekend, and then it's the runoff, and then it's the run into the playoffs, and then you've got the play-ins have, uh, and everything. Yeah, play-ins. Yeah. And then, I mean, I mean, we we sometimes we get together and we watch like regular season games every now and then as as a sort of the guys on the podcast and, and our graphic designer. But um, yeah. time wise, that is an extremely difficult yeah. thing to do. Yeah, time wise, that's why it's a bit tricky. But you know, sort of around All Star break and then, especially with the playoffs, they sort of the NBA tailor more towards as much as they can. I'd say they tailor more towards a global audience. So it is possible for us to sit down and watch an NBA game together um, as opposed to watching rerun highlights in the morning and things like that. So that's when it gets a little bit, because as much as you can follow all the news and everything, it's not the same when you're just watching it live. That's yeah. just what it is. It's, it is the case for it. So Less investment. Yeah. I was going to ask, George, before we finish, what's your personal deadline for when you should the Sixers should trade Ben Simmons? <laughs> um Oh, so we've we've managed to get a six as Ben Simmons trade. Oh yeah, might as well. Um, I think that it will happen. I, do you know what? I I can't even say because it's such a bluff from the Sixers currently that I don't really know what's happening. I would be as equally surprised if they kept him as if they traded him. I think is what I'd say. I can't see them keeping him. I can because they're not going to unless they get an offer of a top. I think it was top fifteen or top twenty-five player they wanted. Unless they get a top twenty-five player involved in the deal, I just don't see Daryl Morey doing it. He's that stubborn. Uh, I'll say I won't go as far as saying that, but I'll say I don't see a trade for Ben Simmons happening if there's only two teams involved. Oh yeah, it's always going to be three. It will have to be a three at minimum. Um, I, I just can't. Unless look, one team's always going to end up bending over backwards for this in terms of of giving up too much or not enough, um, and I think that Dame Lillard's the key piece, but Dame Lillard even needs to become an absolute horrible man towards the Trailblazers and force his way out, which I can't see him doing, and I can't see a way in which the Blazers on their own can put together a package that the Sixers want. I mean, this is why there's going to be a three yeah, a, a three team uh, uh, deal. I'll add. 
just to reply to that, I don't think Dame members the key piece because Dame is just not being involved in a trade for Ben Simmons. No, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Unless Dame is like, I never want to play for the Portland Trailblazers again. And yeah, even then, he's not get. Hit. They're not trading him. This is what I mean. But then, yeah, the this is matter. what I mean. So, but even if that was going to be the case, and Dame's getting traded by Portland, it wouldn't be to the Sixers. It would have to be a three-team deal. So this is the stuff that I'm saying for it. There is no organic trade available right now. Um, yeah. I saw some stuff of the Lakers trying to get him for Russell Westbrook and something. And I, again, I can't see that happening. Um, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I mean, Westbrook and Embiid on a team. He's already I've... part of Andre Drummond. <laughs> he's already yeah. part of Andre Drummond this year. He's not going to take Westbrook. But... I've seen a, I've seen a <laughs> lot of the Westbrook things. I think that's a lot of... Uh, I know people say there's no smoke about fire. I think in that case, it is smoke about fire. I don't think Westbrook's going anywhere. I think it's just a lot of Lakers fans that are annoyed yeah. when they watch Westbrook throw up a few bricks on the field. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I mean... I'll, I'll say quickly, minus that, I just want to, we've spoken a lot about the main points and a lot of the big teams that generally get a lot of love. I just wanted to quickly mention two teams that have the best, or uh, on the best form in their Bottom respective in it, conferences. So, yeah. yeah, so quickly, <laughs> just a couple quick shout outs. The one to the Grizzlies, because Jar Brown's mm. been down and they've still been holding it down. They're 9-1 and one in the last 10. They're fourth in the West, which is no easy feat. And they're a really exciting team for the future. And then looking at the East, the Cavs are the team in form at the moment. Yeah, yeah. The, but the basketball is still strange because they're playing with at least it's two essentially centres on the court every time, at all times. But they're still managing to win games. It's not, you know, everyone full of their dip after the first few games, but they're currently third in the East, 19 and 12. Absolutely. I mean, I can't really argue with too much from that. Um, but unfortunately, chaps, we uh, we have run out of time of, of this sort of Christmas special, I'd say. Um, we're going to have a little break between Christmas, you know, have some time off. Enjoy the NBA with a mince pie is what we want to do. Um, you've probably come to this through socials anyway, but if you've not, we will have a, well, we do have as this is going live, uh, we've got big Christmas giveaway. We've partnered up with uh, 2K yet again. Absolutely great to us over the years now. Um, and I think it's partnered slash with the NBA with, with 2K for some NBA vouchers, some NBA league passes, and some copies of the 75th anniversary edition of NBA 2K22. Um, so check out Twitter and Instagram for that. Get involved in it. Absolutely free to enter. Nothing to do. Uh, I think it's got a like and retweet and share a post. So, I mean, why not? Would you, why would you not get involved in that? Um, but yeah, that's it. Um, we're going to wrap that up there. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas or whatever you celebrate in, in this festive season, in this holiday season, um, and a fantastic new year. And, and we'll pick things up with you in 2022. Um, from all of us at the Swimrun Podcast, we're going to sign out there. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you in the new year. Cheers. <laughs>